great looking around and uh, during offering. We have a new little one that was born as well, sitting over in that corner. So please get to see them. Have to get past grandma first, though. Great grandma, I guess, would be now. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to pull them out. And uh, if you don't have them, I know that you have your apps with you. It's one thing I know about this church is that you are on different apps quite a bit. And I'm able to follow you. So it's good. I know that you have that. So if you have your Apple app, open that up this morning. I came across a collection of letters that children wrote to Santa Claus this week. Some of them were really good, so I had to include them. One said this, Dear Santa, you did not bring me anything good last year. You did not bring me anything good the year before that. This is your last chance. <laughs> Signed, Alfred. My favorite one went like this. Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live at our house. There is Jeffrey, he is two. There is David, he is four. And there is Norman, he is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all the time. And I am Norman. When we started this Advent, I asked you if you could use one word how you would describe Christmas and what would that be. Some folks in my readings this week in different articles use words like headache, busyness, expensive, and some even consider it bothersome. Like, why do we even have it? To many people, Christmas is just another day, only with a little bit more expensive and a lot more trouble. I've even heard Christians use these words to describe the day we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. Max Lucado, in his book, in the applause of heaven, writes of a certain king, and he writes this. No man, no man has more reason to be miserable than the one, yet no man was more joyful. His first home was a palace. Servants were at his fingertips. The snap of his finger could change the course of history. His name was unknown, or pardon me, was known and loved. He had everything. He had wealth. He had power. He had respect. And then he had nothing. Students of the event still ponder it. Historians stumble as they attempt to explain it. How could a king lose everything in one instant? 
One moment he was royalty. The next, he was in poverty. His bed became at best a borrowed pellet and usually the hard ground. He never owned even the basic mode of transportation and was dependent upon handouts for his income. He knew what it was like to be rained on, to be cold. He knew what it meant to have no home. His palace ground had been spotless. Now he was exposed to filth. He had never known disease, but now was surrounded by illness. In his kingdom, he had been revered. Now he was ridiculed. His neighbors tried to lynch him. Some called him a lunatic. His family trying to confine him to their house. Those who didn't ridicule him tried to use him. They wanted favors. They wanted tricks. He was a novelty. They wanted to be seen with him, that is, until being with him was out of fashion. Then they wanted to kill him. He was accused of a crime that he never committed. Witnesses were hired to lie. The jury was rigged. No lawyer was assigned to his defense. A judge swayed by politics handed down the death penalty, and they killed him. He left as he came, penniless. He was buried in a borrowed grave. His funeral financed by compassion friends. Though once he had everything, he died with nothing. He should have been miserable. He should have been bitter. He had everything, he had every right to be a pot of boiling anger. But he wasn't. He was joyful. Sourpusses don't attract a following. People followed him wherever he went. Children avoid sore heads. Children scampered after this man. Crowds don't gather to listen to the woeful. Crowds clamored to hear him. Why? He was joyful. He was joyful when he was poor. He was joyful when he was abandoned. He was joyful when he was betrayed. He was even joyful as he hung on a tool of torture. His hands pierced with Roman spikes. You see, Jesus embodied a stubborn joy, a joy that refused to bend in the wind of hard times, a joy that held its ground against pain, a joy whose roots extended deep in the bedrock of eternity. This morning, on the third Sunday of Advent, I want us to take a look and talk about joy. And just to get you thinking, if your mind hasn't already been going, let me ask you this question. You may want to write it down in the bulletin. There's a place where you can make notes. Let me ask you this. Are you a joyful 
person. Are you a joyful person? Now note, I did not ask, are you happy? That is different. Most of us instinctively recognize that there's a difference between joy and happiness. And yet, it's a challenge. To put an exact definition on that difference. This morning as we walk through, I would like to suggest three places to focus your heart and mine this morning and on the days ahead as we prepare to remember our Lord and Savior. The first is focus on Jesus, the J. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It says this, reading from the NIV. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Keep your finger there and think about those words. Charlie Brown asked if anyone knows what Christmas is all about. And Linus recites the story of Christ's birth from Luke, chapter 2. Have we forgotten that Christmas is not primarily about us or our family or our friends or our church or the presence? Christmas is about him. One year on a Christmas afternoon, a visitor asked a five-year-old, her name was Ruth, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? And after a moment of hesitation, she answered, no, but then it's not my birthday. Isn't it easy to get so wrapped up in the celebration that we forget what it is we're supposed to be celebrating. We think about all the things we got to buy and the different gifts we got to get. And we forget about that, of what we're supposed to celebrate. You see, the world does that. It has become politically incorrect to say Merry Christmas. They want us to say Happy Holidays, or Merry Xmas. 
You see, the world wants us to remove Christ from Christmas. Even without buying into the world's ways, you and I can forget what Christmas is all about by forgetting Jesus. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, focusing on Jesus means that you will not only remember him, the Savior in the manger, but also remember the Savior in your heart. It's all about Jesus. Remember that that baby grew up, went to the cross to pay for our sins, and that he rose again to give you and I new life. And he lives in our hearts today to give us joy. And if we go back to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, that's what it's saying here. For I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not only was Jesus born in Bethlehem, but also by faith and by his Spirit, he lives in me. He lives in you. And that should fill us with joy. That should fill us with joy. The second thing is that we need to focus on Others, the O. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It says this. In everything I did... I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, focusing on Jesus should also help us develop an attitude that he told us would bring us joy, which we find in this verse. Others. Christmas is a time when we celebrate the wonderful gift God has given us, which is Jesus. His focus in giving Christ to the world was his love for others. And he gave us an example that we too should be willing to follow. He didn't give it just for a select. He gave it for the whole world. You see, joy does not come from getting all that we can from others but in giving all we can give to others. This focus on others will bring us joy. If you want to know joy at Christmas, then discover the joy of giving. Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for him. If you want the joy this Christmas, Find somebody in need. And in the name of Christ, give them your time, your treasures. Sit with them. 
Depression is huge at Christmas. In December, it comes in heavy with waves. People put on a brave face. You might even be here this morning like that. We want to sit with you. We want to care with you. We want to walk with you. There are plenty of lonely and needy people. And the Holy Spirit will show them to you if you're willing to look for them. And my encouragement is is that we pray that prayer. Lord, who is it that you want me to sit with, to talk with, to reach out, to be with? The Bible says that you will find joy there by focusing on others instead of yourself. Joy is found in giving. In being focused on others rather than ourselves. In meeting their needs instead of our own. Sacrificing our desires so that others might experience theirs. You see, I don't believe that there is joy in any things. Joy comes in our choice to give and to express love, to help, to encourage, to be there for one another. In one of the older books that I have in my shelves, the writer is George Bernard Shaw, and he puts it this way. There is true joy in life, the being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as the mighty one, the being thoroughly worn out before you are thrown on the scrap heap, and being a force of nature instead of furish selfishness, like a clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. Another writer puts it this way. Joy can be real only if people look upon their life as a service and have a definite object in life outside themselves and their purpose, their personal happiness. Let's focus on the why, yourself. There is a sense in which we are to focus on ourselves. Our own attitudes determine whether or not we will experience joy this year. You can let worry and stress, unforgiveness, discouragement rob you of that joy of Jesus. Everyone struggles sometimes. And please understand Attitude is not automatic. You and I choose to allow attitudes to rule us. And how do I know that? Because God, Bible commands us not to allow these things rule over our lives. And God would not have commanded us to do what he cannot do, couldn't do in his strength. If you have your Bibles, let's take a look at a few passages. The first one is in Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. So we're going to bounce around just a little bit here. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Let me just bounce up and read verse 4 to begin with. Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Let me start there. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Just a few pages before the Galatians there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then if you will, Go with me to 2 Thessalonians. Bump ahead. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 16 and 17, it says this. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Consider your thoughts. Sorry, I just moved my finger and I lost my notes. Consider your thoughts. Listen to your words. Watch your actions. Ask yourself, do I have the joy of the Lord? Or am I wallowing in the mud hole of my own tears? You see, Christmas is based on exchange of gifts. The gift of God to man. He gave us his son. His unspeakable gift of his son. The gift of man to God. When we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Turn with me, if you will, to John. John chapter 15. John 15, verse 11. We'll bounce up to verse 10 just to give you a little bit. It's talking about the vine remaining in Christ. It says this, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your joy may be in you, that this joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. The second command of this verse is remain in my love. A writer said this, joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved. We did nothing to deserve God sending his special gift of his son to us. 
You and I know that unconditional love of Jesus as moments in the past. Jesus commands us to remain in that love. To never get sidetracked. To never get persuaded otherwise. To never lose sight of the eternal truth of Christmas. That is Emmanuel, God with us. That's what it means. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You see, Jesus is welcoming us to remain under his wing. To remain wrapped in his arms. To remain always in the midst of the fact that we are perfect, loved perfectly. Unconditionally. Truly. Not by who we are, by what we've done. Or failed to do. But slowly, solely on the grace of God. And as we do, we will know the joy. Joy that's not about feelings or circumstances or income. Rather, joy is that being part of something incredible. Incredible. The kingdom of God. That's our joy. About being part of something eternal. The kingdom of God about being part of a, of a people who meet here week after week together in worship and seeking God. That's why we're here. About being part of a mission to share the incredible good news of salvation with a world on a highway to hell. And there is a hell. You are the only person who can decide to be joyful this year. God has given a gift for you this Christmas. It is joy that's unwrapped by focusing on Jesus, on others, and then yourself. You see, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of your life and my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. This morning, my encouragement is choose joy. Let me just pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, we want to praise you. We want to give you honor and glory that is due your name. May we be determined to have you in our life and the joy. We just pray and ask these things in your name.